Hi, and welcome to my corner of the digital universe. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable. Here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by thejoyfulbean.com. Thejoyfulbean.com is one of the few places that you can actually get the authentic Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee. If you've never had it, I urge you to grab your phone right now and check it out. While you're there, another great blend that's available, especially if you're looking for a bit more of an edge. And honestly, it's a great coffee that actually represents the current U.S. political landscape. It's called the Fuman Bean. You gotta love a good cup of joe. Today's conversation is with my friend and future podcast host, Casey Burnett. Casey, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. That's awesome. What do you think about that future podcast? <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. I can say that much about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we get too deep into life here, um, it's time for the weekly COVID-19 update. Every time I have a guest on, I ask them about the end of the world in some form or fashion and sure. how it's impacted them. So, shoot, how's it impacted you? Um, very effectively, I would say. Oh, good. Uh, Mission know. accomplished. And I will call my buddies over at the Kremlin <laughs> who are friends with the folks out in China. Yeah, I work for a school district. So a daily uh, fears and, and oh, fear mongering happens yeah. on a daily basis there. And uh, currently separated from my family. They're, they're uh, six hours away in Kansas City. Oh, wow. So. You know, the fear of me getting the COVID has my wife going crazy. So, yeah, oh, you can't come home and see us or it doesn't matter if you do right. get it. You're coming home. <laughs> Hopefully you do get it so you can be quarantined at home. <laughs> right, man. So, so um, what do you think of the current world we're in right now? Man, I, you know, it's hard for me to have perspective because I didn't live in the world before we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it just seems like everything's falling apart to most people, you know, and, and I think, you know, this is, I guess this is just how it's going to be from here on out, you know, that the end of the world, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right. Um, I just wanted more zombies. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, yeah. Expected a little bit more. I'm a little disappointed. Uh, bullet action. Probably most people thought that. You know, it was going to come more. Well, listen, I mean, the year's not over, you know? <laughs> right, right. That's true. That's true. We got two more months, two and a half more months. And uh, so we might see zombies. Yeah. We don't know. The The virus might mutate. Keeping my fingers so crossed. So there's still hope for you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, whether or not. Well, you know, I've tried to hide my uh, my weaponry throughout my typical daily path. And since my daily path leaves me pretty much in about 1,850 square feet, there's lots of weaponry just all over the place. <laughs> I've always taken the stance that, you know, there's probably going to be enough to collect afterwards. So I think I'll be That's all right. That's probably true. But yeah. I always I, want to be prepared, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I it's funny. I, I started the uh, Arsenal Reduction Program um, a little while ago. And in that whole process, somehow it's increased. And I'm not sure how that works. But hmm. yeah, no reduction took place. Um, you know, you do a trade. That's that's one of the fun things, you know, as a grown adult man, um, trading baseball cards and that kind of thing, it's just not really acceptable um, right. by the general population. 
Sure. And it's yeah. really, I mean, the other thing is how do you broach the subject with a random dude, right? Uh, hey, do you have a 1997? <laughs> hey, this really cool Emmett Smith card. Exactly. You see it? <laughs> right. It's all like under the under your breath. You, you can't really, but you can say, hey, man, you into guns? <laughs> right. Hey, you want to come out to my car and look at my 1911? Because <laughs> oh, I just got it. <laughs> that's, that's creepy. Wow. I'm going to change the mic settings. Okay. No, uh, but that's the thing, right? I mean, you, you uh, so, so what I started doing is... You know, I kind of had this list of guns that I'd really like, and that came from playing Call of Duty and Battlefield. Oh, sure, yeah. You're like, oh, that's yeah. a real gun? I want that. And then you go out to the range, and you realize <clears throat> that uh, the battery backup decides to beep. <laughs> <laughs> you realize when you go out to the range that, you know, um, wherever I'm putting the crosshairs, it's not actually hitting. And I'm not sure why that is the case. When I play online, it always works. Oh, well, I have the opposite problem. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I've even thought, you know, maybe I should put that dot in the center of the TV, like people say, that makes you better. Just write it on, like put it on there. But then I think my TV is more important than Call of Duty <laughs> to me. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, man, tell me a little bit. Okay. Let's back up. Back up. Like we've gone anywhere yeah, yet. Yeah, we haven't gone anywhere yet. So. Uh, you and I met, how long ago was this? Uh, probably four or five years ago, maybe? Yeah. Somewhere in there. Uh, I get lost in the space here, but yeah, it was probably close to four years ago. I remember being on Aaron's boat. Uh, do you mm, remember going yeah. out on Aaron's boat? Yes. Because yes. he, he uses guys like you and me. You know that, right? No. Yeah. Like how, like how does he I'm going to tell you how, and, and I hope he's listening. I, first of all, I want to know how I compare to you. And then I want to know why Aaron <laughs> wants to use me. All right. Well, <laughs> are you ready for this? You're going to say ballast weight, aren't you? That's what you're going to say. I mean, I wasn't. Actually, that is so political, uh, politically correct. I was going to say fat sacks oh, because well, yeah. that's what he calls it. <laughs> that, would be it. that would be it. I think every wakeboarder knows that uh, if you want to have a good wakeboard experience, get your sure, big boy yeah. buddies out there on the boat. Yeah. Get the fat guys out there. I figured uh, it out when he's like, hey, can you sit on the left side now? Wait, why? Right. Uh, just to go over there on the left side. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. So he should probably want me more now because I'm probably 50 pounds heavier than I was last time I went on the boat. So. Well, um, that's why I think it just evens out. I'm I'm 50 pounds lighter than the last time I was on the oh, boat. Oh, so, so it's the same. Yeah. So and I apologize same for experience. that. Well, clearly you know, I sent it to you. You know, that's, that's not. You don't look it to me, just so you know. I would have never known that. That never feels better, does it? No. Like you tell somebody <laughs> you're white, they're like, you know, you don't look that weight. And like, well, what? <laughs> what weight is acceptable to the eye that, you know, I know you're like, there's no way you're that much. Well, I'm 310 hey. pounds. I'll put it out there. I'm 310 pounds. I get a lot of, uh, I thought maybe 295. You know, yeah, that doesn't make it feel better. You know, it's terrible. This happens to me a lot on the TV stuff. So you're watching TV and you see somebody on the show that's like pretty, pretty big. Right. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. They're, and then something, some part of the show and they're like, can you believe it? He's like 230 pounds. Yes. Disgusting. And you're like, uh, yeah, that's disgusting. How that's did not, they get that big? Right. Like, and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh. So <laughs> I have a very wrong self-image. <laughs> right. I don't feel like I'm that guy. Yeah. I. <laughs> but I definitely outweigh that guy. <laughs> anyway. Right. Like I, I didn't know I was the post guy. What was the post guy's name on uh, Seinfeld? Drawn a oh, uh, um, Newman. <laughs> Newman. Newman. I didn't realize I was Newman, but I am. Actually, I'm. Fatter than Newman, so. Well, here's what I always go with, though, because you're tall. How tall are you? 
Uh, six foot. I'm six foot tall. Yeah. I mean, it's tall enough because I'm six foot tall. Mm-hmm. This, but this is what I'm realizing: a lot of these actors, they're like five six, five seven, and that that changes. Things. That's right. Yeah, they're smaller people, so they don't get the same credits as we do BMI wise, right? Right. I mean, we're. I all mean, my still... doctor, my doctor told me that I was morbidly obese. Yeah, but I don't oh, think yeah. he knows what he's talking about. No, I've had the same conversation. He's been to school, but. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's obviously the left. <laughs> <laughs> it's the education system, not Dude. not the Oreos and milk nah, that's failed me. That's nothing to do with it. I <laughs> hope everybody is enjoying our conversation about uh, weight. It's fine. We are. So that's, that's right. what matters. That is the point. We've only spent 10 minutes on it, so I don't really <laughs> feel too bad about it. I guess not fully 10 minutes because I did, you know, talk about our sponsor. Hey, you know what I didn't talk about? And this is important. Okay. What? If you enjoy this podcast, you can go to streamgrace.com and you can find more. <laughs> hey, you know what the, you can do, though? This is this is for real. Uh, if you want to, you could leave us a voice message and we can actually use it in the podcast or not. I can just listen to it while I, you know, think about, you know, just affirmation, things like that. You can go to streamgrace.com, uh, click on the conversations link, and then it'll take you to our podcast page. And right there... It will say, leave a message or send a message. So I didn't even have to come in today. I could have just did well, this from. <clears throat> that's true, but you wouldn't have had this microphone. and That's true. You know. Which and probably makes me sound better. I mean, it's it's the real deal, bro. I mean, my wife is going to be missing me after she hears this. <laughs> that's for sure. You're coming home this weekend, right? I, she doesn't talk with that low of voice, though, does she? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, my wife does that. When she, when she mimics, like, she'll say... So this guy was telling me, you know, and she'll mimic it. Yeah, right. She always mm-hmm. reverses it. So if it's a girl, it's like, what are you doing over there? If it's a girl or a guy, it's like, I don't know what's going on. She always makes the guy high. So she like emasculates them. I think that's part of it. Because she doesn't like what they're saying. So she yeah makes them sound As long like, as she doesn't do that when she imitates me. Oh. Okay. I don't know. I haven't had many conversations with your wife. Well, but, uh, I'm hoping it's I'm going to watch for that now. <laughs> I'm going to write it too. down. Uh, hey, where did you grow up, man? Uh, I grew up. <laughs> That's called a hard right that turn. That was. It was. Uh, I grew up in a, well, half of it, I, I grew up in a small town in Missouri called Gower. Gower, About 1,400 people. I grew up about five miles outside of town on 14 acres. I know right where that's at. Don't lie to me. It's in Don't. Missouri, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's exactly where it's at. Right. You did know where it was at. So that's right between St. Joe and Kansas City up there. But uh, I grew up on a little farm 14 acres lived next to my grandparents with my parents and uh, about sixth grade uh, uh my grandparents decided to move back to their hometown so we got even a it, smaller yeah town. exactly actually yes <laughs> wow a smaller town of 500 so uh my family got ejected from the the property basically so uh we went moved into town i became what's known as a townie oh yeah. townies yeah, I've yeah, heard of those. Yep, I went from. Don't they sell cookies every year? Uh, the, like, I think those are the Keebler Elves. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, I think that's common mistake. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> but uh, yeah, and then uh, after that, we moved again uh, to a smaller town by the name of Osborne. I've given some shout outs here. Yeah. So when people hear this, yeah, like, hey, he talked about us, but uh, and that was like 500 people. Wow. After that, I made the trek to the big metro of Kansas City. 
So it's a big change, huh? So I tell my wife I'm a country boy, but she says and constantly reminds me, "Well, you spent more of your life in the city, so oh, wow. let's not, you know, play yeah, but, into that too much." <laughs> so, so when did you end up in Kansas City? What? How old uh, were you? Kansas City, eighth grade. Oh, we, okay. Yeah. So half of my sixth grade year, I was in the little town of Osborne, seventh grade, and then eighth grade we moved to Kansas City. You know, it's funny. I, you know, I think of stories in my own life, and <clears throat> the time frame from like eight to fourteen mm-hmm. is like thirty years. When right. I, when yeah. I look at it right yeah, now, it's absolutely. like so much happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it mm-hmm. didn't, but it did. Well, for me, I think the uh, what I tell my wife is I peaked in middle school, high school. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people peak in high school. I peaked in middle school. You know, I was in the sports. So, so <laughs> there was, was twenty four people from there. <laughs> there was twenty four people in my class, but you know, I think there was four guys, five guys. I don't know. Wow. But, <laughs> I was on the teams, uh, all the teams. I was on the basketball team. I, I was in track. You know, we talked about weight <laughs> issues. So <laughs> but, that's what happens uh, when you stop playing sports. Yeah. Last you... time I got a home and homecoming date was the seventh grade. So wow, I, mean, I was right up there. <laughs> yeah, I was even like king and queen like thing. You were king yeah. and queen. <laughs> well, no, that's not. <laughs> that's weird. It was a very progressive school. Um, <laughs> For a small town, especially. I'm impressed. That's yeah, crazy. they considered that that town was funny. They considered basically like high school band was seventh grade really? to the senior. So I was in high school band when I was in seventh grade. So. Wow. Like, oh, I've been in high school band for like four years. <laughs> there know, are other I'm, people that are like that, too. Right. But they're, it's not because it started in seventh grade. It's just they're twenty and still haven't graduated high school. <laughs> that's yet. the that's the class they could pass was banned. Right. Well, they're you know they're artists. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they love their teachers so much. They love the experience. If they finally pass that twelfth grade English, they're going to be out. Right. So, so they're like, nah, let's do that's one right. more year. You know, I really want to stay in this. Well, you know, it's funny we joke about that because they were smarter than we thought they were. Because <laughs> yeah. after you get out. It, it's, things get a little different. Yeah, I can see why people peak in high school because it's like, wait, wait a minute. This is real. How many times do I get a call from my son? He's 22, 21. I don't know what he is. 21. Mm-hmm. He's going to be 22. And he's like, uh, yeah, got to do some adult stuff. Yeah. <laughs> adulting. Like, That's a thing now. Man, adulting. and I hate that. Can I just say how much I hate that? I hate making a verb out of that word. Mm. Is that a verb? I don't know. Yeah, I, you didn't I mean, go I, through 12th grade I English. got through school. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, I feel like it's a verb. Adverb, maybe? Maybe an ad. If you know let's the not, answer. Let's not uh, shine our stupidity. No, but if you do know the answer, please leave me a voice message. Um, especially Miss Roberts, if you're listening, my 12th grade English teacher. Mm, yeah. If she listens, hey, you know, that's one heck of a shout out. Because the last that's time it, I've yeah. talked about Miss Roberts, my 12th grade uh, English teacher was a long time ago. Maybe 13th grade. Well, unfortunately for mine, I wouldn't know what their name was. I probably didn't go. Fair enough. <laughs> so moving on past that, right? Right. So, so, so in eighth grade, you get to Kansas City, right? And you're big going city. to now you're in a big school too, right. right? Big school, big school, totally different, a whole new world. We lived in an apartment, mm-hmm. like we went from country living <laughs> yeah. to city living, like overnight. Now, did you were you active on the farm? I mean, like, did you do uh, stuff? You know, not not a lot. I mean, I helped do some straw bales and stuff like that, and it really progressed to the point they were doing big round bales and me and my sister would just ride on them and things like that but well, i helped feed some pigs feed some chickens and yeah i got a little touch of that life do you feel um, like you could raise well something's talking to me siri that girl did anything we say sound me. like she's siri? following me she is 
Did you, uh, would you feel like right now you could go grab some chickens and uh, pigs and raise them? Yes. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, I, yeah, I could, yeah. We'll talk after the podcast. I you don't may want be on to. my team. Oh, well, never mind. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a f- <laughs> chickens are rat birds. They're Man. disgusting creatures that I don't want to deal with. Yeah. You know, and to think about how much, like, were you, when you were a kid, did you eat chicken like kids today eat chicken? Yeah. What? Well, like, it's the food group is chicken, chicken like, nuggets and oh, chicken strips. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I don't, I guess. I, I don't I remember don't doing that. I feel like McDonald's was definitely a treat. I don't. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. Wasn't a staple. No, we had a lot of grannies cooking. Um, I did. I did have a share in slaughtering chickens and and things like that. But did they run around with their heads cut off? Yes, they do. Wow. And we chased them like it was a game. It's it's demented and weird that people do that. But at the same time, I mean, that was a good memory from my childhood. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I I like everything you said and how you said it right there. <laughs> It's demented and crazy, but it's a great memory. It is a great memory. I have demented and weird things that happened from my childhood. I mm-hmm. wouldn't call them great memories, but maybe well, it's just my own perspective. See, you're kind of a half glass full thing, right? Yeah. Glass no, half I'm full. definitely, I would say that I'm a pessimist. <laughs> Every, man, this is an exciting thing for me right now. <laughs> okay. So, wow. All right. I'm writing my notes down. Okay. He's a pessimist, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pessimist. I didn't know this was going to be a psychological exam. I, you know what? Every session I have here is counseling for me. You just don't realize it. Oh, okay. No. So a pessimist who had a good experience chasing. <laughs> chasing if that's all that comes chickens. out of this session, um, these are I no, won't be disappointed. Honestly. These are for the show notes. <laughs> chasing chickens. Oh, sorry. Uh, dismembered chickens i needed to put uh, that in there yeah, decapitated decapitated that's it mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. dismembered would be their wings cut off and legs and sure, that would any be, other appendage or body okay. part yeah, I mean, is it dismembering if you lose the head too it's just it's just more specific. i think it's more specific yeah, yeah okay mm-hmm. his kappa was detated interesting that we find heads so important to have their own specified what do you word. call it if you lose just an arm the army um okay <laughs> Uh, eighth grade we're going back because yeah. I, I do have lots of farm questions though um i mean i know it's weird but i don't get the opportunity to talk to people a lot that had had that kind of experience like i got to spend summers i called it a farm okay because mm-hmm. and it was like here-ish like a few miles from here right but my grandparents lived on five acres or ten acres mm-hmm. and there was lots of woods and when you're you know seven or eight years old it's a whole wilderness to you. Um, even though it's like when I drive by it now, it's like, Oh, that's an acreage with a house on it. But I had, you know, I remember hunting with my BB gun and things like that. But right. I feel like you had that real farm experience. Like I didn't have chickens. I, there was a, ca- a a horse. They did have a horse that I rode once. I remember, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, I went to school obviously with a bunch of, what we would call farm kid. Like I was not a farm kid. I lived in the country. They were actually working yeah. on the farm, right? Yeah. They had combines. They were driving combines and doing, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. I could drive, drive a tractor when I was younger. They and, really and, relate to Luke Bryan basically. And uh, his songs. Oh God, I hope not. Okay. So go ahead. <laughs> Luke, but, I like yeah, you. So it's kind of interesting. Again, the perspective thing comes up because, you know, my perspective is I'm not a real farm boy. You know, I was just a country kid. You know, yeah. that's what I would kind of really that coin makes myself. 
Now, I, you know, I ran around in the, the creek or the holler, you know, chasing You ran snake. around in the holler. <laughs> in the holler, yeah. I like that you're not a country boy <laughs> or, or a farm kid, but you're definitely a country boy. That's right, because you were in the holler chasing That's right. Uh, I went squirrel hunting, had a little BB gun. We did squirrel hunting with in 22 when I was with my father. And, you know, mm-hmm. I had experiences like that, but it's just, it's not the same to me. And like, you know, that's just that different step. Like you're looking at me like, oh, you had some real experiences. I'm like, eh, you know, I was kind of. Yeah, you know, it's like triple A ball and pro ball, that or, makes sense. or I would say college football and pro football. Fair enough. That would anger some people, but that's fine. No, I, yeah, I hear you. No, you know, here's the thing though. You think about this, and I, and I think this is a good perspective. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little props here because <clears throat> I've been running, uh, doing audio work professionally for twenty years ish, maybe more than that okay. now. Yeah, and I was having this conversation with someone the other day. I don't feel like a professional. And, and I think a part of sure. it for me is because I think, well, I know of so many other people who know so much more or who I go to right, and I'm absolutely. like, Hey, and, mm-hmm. and they're in the same field, you know, we'll work the same gigs. And I'm like, well, I'm not a professional. And then I think, but on the other side of that coin, I mean, I have organizations calling me to get my opinion that, right. um, I mean, I had one municipality spend $3 million on a report I wrote and you're, you're going, Hmm. I hope at I did level, good. <laughs> at what level do I say that I'm professional? <laughs> right. When, and, and you know, I didn't know they were spending the money, so. Right. It may also scary. depend on the municipality, so. Well, that's true. That might be more political than Man, yeah, that's very true. But in any case, you know, it's, I think what I hear when you say that is, is perspective. You, yeah. you realize there are people out there that have these different experiences, but um, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool, but, but I do. I, I envy folks that, um, you know, I hear songs. <laughs> Why does it go back to country music? I hear songs. It's me. Like, uh, like country boy can't survive, right. you know, good yeah. old, um, like that's, if you don't like that song, then just don't talk to me. Um, unless it's you and we got to finish the interview. Sure, yeah, so we've gotta, you got to well, keep I guess talking. the podcast is done. So. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> no, but if you, you look at songs like that, that talk about, you know, being able to survive, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. what I called it? Country boy will survive. Yeah. yeah. Country boy can survive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm like, man, I want that. Like I remember because I grew up in the city. I mean, basically I grew right. up in the city. I grew up in suburbs, even worse. I think growing up in the city, you have a different level of survivability. When you grow up mm-hmm. in the suburbs, you're fodder. I mean, you were just like, oh, there that's yeah, you're not mm-hmm. you're not gonna make it. You're a suburb kid. That's right. it. That's what you are. Right. Anything yeah. outside of you go to the woods, you're gonna be eaten by a bear. You go to the city, you're gonna be eaten by a somebody. Right. A, a, or, somebody yeah somebody, <laughs> somebody's gonna eat somebody's you. gonna run you over you know yeah. random act of violence will come knocking on your door yeah exactly which i think like. again perspectives way off because you know in the city that's not no, likely to happen not, it's as, really not. as living out in the country you're not gonna get mauled by a cougar on a regular basis you know that's true so <laughs> again, especially on a regular basis we're back to that word of perspective yeah so no doubt um i i think that you know talking about my past you know history wise in my life i do have a lot of unique perspectives like that because you know i lived the country kid life the towny kid life which are two different things sure and then i lived kind of in the not really suburban but kind of suburban kind of neighborhood and then i went to a more urban neighborhood but not totally inner city um so i've lived in all those different kind of realms and and all of them are just so different And, and how to survive in those is completely different yeah 
my conclusion here in the tail end of my life, I would say my wife would be angry. <laughs> you're, you're in the tail end of your life. You're younger than me. That's that makes me sad. But all right. <laughs> Later in my life. Anyways, um, uh, I would say, man, I've learned to survive. But here's the deal. I got to go back to the country. I got to go. You know, we're looking at two and a half acres outside of town here. And I just can't. I just I just can't be in. We've looked at you know, neighborhoods, you know, here in Midwest city. And, and I just like look at it and I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah. It hurts. What, what is it for you? What, what, what don't you like? Um, I think some of it has to do with my introvertish kind of thing. Cause yeah. people always around yeah, neighbors. Me. Yeah. yeah. Neighbors, um, looking over my fence or whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, people just randomly walking through my yard. I just didn't understand it. Like, yeah. you know, live, I'm like, I don't, why are these, you know what's happening here my wife's like i don't what's the problem because she grew up like inner city Mm. um and then suburbs and she's like that i mean what's wrong with people walking through your yard it's mine (laughs) it's my yard right you know so you know you live in the country and you got a quarter mile before they get to your house or you got 500 feet if they're in your driveway they probably don't belong there here yeah. there's people in your driveway all the time right like, well i gotta turn around well, here. that's definitely true you know, here yeah. because the studio's well, at my yeah. home i mean but yes yeah. working from home <laughs> proposes other issues right but, so i think it you know at this point in my life i want to raise my kids out there so they can have that like you're saying the survival you know hey i can do some stuff with my hands i can live out here there's always the option to go back to town yeah but it's hard to get back out here and you know the smaller school life and yeah it's just a little more intimate a little more community yeah even though you're further out which sounds weird no i I know what you're saying because because your neighbor then is is like a quarter mile away right and your neighbor and you are actually neighbors there's a sense of you you know part of the clan the belonging part because you it's all you guys have right and i think you know that's the one thing i will say we've been in this area for 14 years and when we we moved into this house we didn't have it built but it it was a first time Mm -hmm. nobody had lived here and uh we had neighbors on either side of us but that was kind of it nothing behind us and man we we ran the gamut right now we have the best neighbors we've ever had on all all sides including across the street from us it's it's awesome but it's a crapshoot. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. My mm-hmm. one set of neighbors um, is a military family. It feels like we've had three or four military families there over the last 14 years. So mm-hmm. I feel confident eventually they're going to move. But behind us, we've had those same neighbors since that house was built and sure. love those guys. In fact, we're going to we talked about taking the the fence behind us and putting a hinge on it so we can fold it down and just have a table and hang out. Because we got the fire pit back there. Wow! So there's <laughs> yeah. some relationship building yeah. going yeah, on. Yeah, they're they're good folks. Um, we used to go to church together, so it was, um, yeah, good folks. And then, um, great uh, couple to the other side over here, the older couple. They're they're awesome. So anyway, just just good people around us. But but we've kind of been in that same dilemma. It's like, man, do they listen to your podcast? Because I feel like you feel like I'm, I'm greasing the wheels. It could be. <laughs> I don't think any of them listen to the podcast. I mean, if they do, it's sad because. Now I know where all my listeners are coming from, (laughs) but no, but I think the thing is, uh, to your point, man, it's, that's, that's kind of our issue. We wanted to get some land to move out and I've had, I've had, I've been back and forth about it a bunch of times. Um, because you know, even doing this, getting a room that's quiet. I mean, we're, we're in a flight path of a air force base. Mm -hmm. We've got dogs on two, three sides of us. And so 
I've had to do a lot of work in this studio to make sure you don't hear the airplanes and the dogs. And Mm -hmm. there are times I'm sure that people do, but you know, I think the bigger thing, I mean, podcast is one thing, but I think living life is another, when you have good relationships with people around you, it's great. But when you don't, it's miserable. Right. Absolutely. And, Mm -hmm. and I imagine the same would be true in the country, but you don't have a lot of change. You don't have people coming in and out of property to your to the east of you you know what i mean right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's usually family land and it is what it is yeah or if it's you know grandma and grandpa passed away and then the grandkids are moving in or you know they're just leaving the house vacant or you know that you know who to call right and you know i think that's one of the things that i missed about the community in the country is i was always going down to my neighbor's house yeah and then the other neighbor was an uncle so oh there you go you know that's one of the things I miss about country life. And yeah. I'm not going to have that here. Obviously I don't know anybody, but hey, you yeah. know me, man. Well, not out in Bethel acres where we're heading. To. Was there land open next to you? I, it's getting a little close. For no, you right I don't now, think isn't it? <laughs> it's getting. So talkery. tell me exactly where your address is so I can, uh, <laughs> we'll put it on the line. We're just going to look over we'll there, just put it out there for everybody to know. So, um, so you're looking to land right now, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I want I want to talk to you about you know I brought this up. You and I talked a few weeks ago about uh, podcasting, right? And uh, and I want to talk about your heart, and uh, not physically. I mean, unless you want to talk about it physically, well, I, don't, I, don't I don't know, know what much we, about it. Yeah, okay, good. It's, it's got four vowels. I think. I guess I. Sorry, I, I don't. I, I'm digging deep. Okay, so let's back up. <laughs> I don't know how many are functioning. <laughs> no, but I want to talk about what's driving you, man. What's right. your um, What's your passion? Well, you know, even though I say I'm an introvert and all that, and I want to live away from everybody, you know, I'm kind of I'm a people person. I really care about what people are doing. And but you're also a pessimist and an optimist, <laughs> so you know it happens. And I was telling one of my really good friends, I'm going to shout out to him, Daryl Robinson, though. Uh, I was talking to him the other day, and I said, you know, if you ever notice this part of me, I'm not following the Lord the way that I should be because I'm an extreme narcissist and pessimist, you know, and, and I told him, I said, a good example of that is, you know, when I get upset and I'm irritated, I'm like, babe, I've tried to tell you a hundred times, everybody's stupid. People are just stupid, you know, and that's not truly my heart, but you know, that's where I'm going to go back to. And, and I think that in the last four years since we've met, really, um, you know, going to Grace Church and things, I've really been exploring who I am and why I exist on this planet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, years ago, well, I'd say my father, you know, probably your father or mother, you know, they would say uh, soul or self, what is it? Soul searching is yeah. like, a, like, that's not, that's okay. But then that's kind of hippie stuff. You don't do that. <laughs> you know, don't go to, don't dig too deep into your own. <laughs> <laughs> your own bag of worms that can be a black hole that will suck right. you in and, and annihilate I think you i i could just completely disagree because if you don't you'll never figure out who you are right you know and god created us to be a certain person mm-hmm. so you, you don't have to you have to chase after that and so i've really been doing that in the last four years and i've really found that i love having conversations with people and finding out value and finding out how they're getting where they're going why they're going where they're going you know what's the purpose right you know uh, what provoked you? What what in your life said, I got to do this, mm-hmm. not this, you know? And one of the reasons for that is, you know, I'm a mechanic. I've done drywall. I've been a painter. I've done construction. I cleaned up train wrecks for a living for a while. Oh, wow. I, you know, I've driven a semi. I'm, you know, right now I'm a bus mechanic. You know, I've done a lot of things. When did but, you quit the CIA? 
Or can you even talk about that? You don't ever that? really? You don't you, ever, Have you seen Red? Yeah, no one's ever really out. <laughs> no one's ever really out. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, so you go, I've gone through life just searching and just, just trying to learn everything really is all I was really trying to do. Just mm-hmm. I just want to do all these things. I want to be able to do all these things. And uh, I ran across uh, some disciple-making stuff and uh, a thing called Be Transformed. And I really started realizing there's a lot of reasons why I do a lot of the stupid things that I do. And yeah. there's got to be reasons why I could succeed, why I can go further, why I can have a more fulfilled life and be a better father, be a better husband, you know. And that's just sent me on this weird course of just being me, yeah. you know, and being, and the best thing that I've, I've tried to be my whole life is a good friend and a truthful friend and an honest friend and try mm. to steer people in the right direction. And that's taken me to so many places that I didn't think it would, you know, from being just a guy in church to being a guy that builds small groups and dealing with people that are on the executive level where I don't belong you know, and even to this, like, you know, I listen to the other people that's been on your podcast. I'm like, I don't fit in this puzzle. Like, <laughs> I'm definitely the odd piece out here. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I got uh, some today we're going to have a, a <laughs> bus mechanic from the school district. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it, you've been penciled in for months. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, not yeah. you specifically, but I knew I needed a bus mechanic. There was mechanic. a date that, yeah, bus mechanic was high priority on the list. Right. Like, we got to talk to that guy. Listen, yeah. if, if, you heard what I said at the beginning, right? It's people you likely don't even know. If you were a somebody, right. then that's right. Then I wouldn't fit. You the wouldn't bill. fit the podcast, right? In right. fact, I've turned down. I can't tell you how many celebrities I've turned down to this point. Oh, I'm sure. I've gotten yeah. some calls from amazing, like people you've seen, and I'm like, I no, people know you. Yeah, probably friends of mine. Probably because I'm the guy behind the scenes, right? And that's who we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, that makes so much more sense to me now. Yeah. I, so. I would love, I'm going to put together a list one day of all the people I've said no to being on the show. Yeah. And that would project your career into something. Yeah. <laughs> as long as nobody fact checks me, it'll be fine. Right. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, how yeah. are they going to verify? You're going to check who wasn't on the show. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that. it's so easy. You know who wasn't on the show? Michael J. Fox. One of my favorite kids from, or, you know, childhood right. Um, right. guys. I liked right. him because he was a conservative. Mm. And his parents were liberals. Uh, what was that? Uh, family, family ties. ties yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's awesome. Also a big Michael J. Fox fan. You just, are? I just thought Back to the Futures. Yes. Like, oh, come on, trilogy. man. That's it for me. And Doc Brown. That's where I became a huge uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd fan. Yes. Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. But And both of those guys weren't on the show either. Right. <laughs> so, but I mean. I'm a fan and I'm here. That's, yeah. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. Yeah, exactly. So. Wow. But. So, you know, there's just this transition in my life. These these things, like, it's for a reason. Yeah. So um, a few months back, I thought about, you know, how can I help people with conversations and things? And, you know, I started listening to a ton of podcasts, and that's why I called you. And I was like, hey, he's doing podcasts. That can't be a coincidence, yeah. you know. So I don't know where this is going. I don't know where my life is going, but I know that I want to reach people and I want to speak with them and I want to find out what's wrong with them. Yeah, you know? that's good. <laughs> or what's right. What's right with them. Yeah. Same thing. I, You know, what I hear when you're talking, I hear a word that is important to me. I hear the word authenticity. Mm. And uh, when you talk about soul searching and finding out who you are, I think it's uh, it's very difficult to be authentic if you don't know who the authentic you is. Right. Um, I was talking to somebody, I've been, you know, you know this, I've been a musician for my whole life, basically, mm-hmm. um, adult life. And it wasn't until I wrote my own song and sang it 
that I really learned who I was as a musician. Sure. Because when you're doing other people's songs, you're mimicking them. I'm not trying to sound exactly like them, but it's their song. And so when I wrote my own song, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's that's what I sound like. Right. And I think finding that space, because you're kind of living in your own space, you know, it helped me to to understand who I was. Well, it's the same thing. When you start soul searching, you're writing your own story. You're, you're looking at it right. and you're going, okay, who am mm-hmm. I? And when you realize that, and then you become unapologetic about it. There's no reason. I mean, you are uniquely made to be you. And I used to say this to people all the time. Like, don't try to be somebody else. Being somebody else, it one, you'll suck at it. Like pick anybody. Like I know you want to be like Michael J. Fox. Right. So if you're if you try to be Michael J. Fox, you would suck at it compared to him, especially. Right. Like he's gonna rock being Michael J. Fox. You're not. Right. Um and the world is gonna miss out on Casey. Absolutely. And the world needs Casey. Absolutely. Because we all have that yeah. unique space and uh, we shortchange ourselves because of what? Because we compare ourselves to other people and go, yes. well, look at what they're mm-hmm. doing. What they're doing doesn't matter. I, I can't tell you how many times I had a call from somebody who would ask, you know, how I was successful in this or that. Not that I've been successful in everything, but um, but when that would happen, someone would say, hey, how'd you do this? And I would say, well, <laughs> I was always like cautious. I mean, I'll tell you what I did, but I will also tell you that it probably won't work for you because right. you're not me. Right. And it's not going to be real. And, and I think it really does come down to that word authenticity. When a person is authentic, I think people in general crave it. And the more authentic somebody is, um, the more we find a, a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny it, to, to, to put on a front is so much effort and work. And we live in a world right. that lives that. I mean, social media yes. has driven that. And I think that, you know, not to be cliche about talking about social media like this, because it happens. But when I look at that generation, that's, uh, you know, the 20 year olds of the mm-hmm. world, 20 to 30 year olds, man, their affirmation, their status in life is right. measured by likes and shares. And if you're not getting likes and shares, you feel worthless. Well, my gosh, that is a right. Absolutely. Sad place to be. Right. And the world, you know, we're, you know, since 2007, I just read a stat today, which is really funny, but because uh, I don't do in that. preparation never, for the podcast. Yeah, right? yeah, I did it for prep for this. <laughs> but uh, suicide rates between 10 year olds and, and 19 or 17 year olds, something like that. So, yeah, I failed at the actual stat, but 178 percent since 2007. You're crazy. You know, and there's obviously wow. there's a correlation there between social media and things like that. You know, in the world that we're living in. Yeah. It, I mean, it's ugly. But it's been ugly for a very, very long time. Right. And it's been apparent for, you know, people say, well, everybody can see it on social media and Facebook and all this stuff. Mm, the, I don't think that has a lot to do with it. I, you know, Rome and was pretty screwed up anyway. You know, the Ottoman <laughs> right. Empire was a terrible place to be, you know. All that furniture. So all, that, <laughs> all that stuff. But, <laughs> um, you know, on Facebook, you know, these kids are trying to compare their life to other people's lives. And that's where you really get in a lot of bondage in your life where you really get screwed up because you're then projecting their identity on yourself. Right. You can't do that. You just can't because I'm not that I'm not, I don't fit in that mold. I was not created to be that. Right. So how can I, you're a townie, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's that one of those things, like I try to get my kids, like my kids are so different. Uh, my oldest, Jacob, he's got uh, sensory processing uh, disorder, and he's just crazy out there sometimes. He's really smart, 
and he likes things a certain way. Or some other kids are just kind of chill, you know, and free going, you know, more like their mother. Mm. And, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but if I try to make Jacob be like William, my second son, it ain't going to work. Yeah. William wants to ride bikes and he wants to jump off a wall and Jacob wants to, Hey, don't touch that. That's not safe. And you know, I got to stand over here. It's not going to, he's going to, he's going to be spazzed out all day. If I'm trying to make him do William stuff, right? Because that's not who, and if I make William stay in his room and read a book all day, he's going to choke somebody, mm-hmm. you know? And so once you start living outside of who you are, that's when life sucks. Yeah. It sucks real. bad, you know? And to that point with my life, I tried to be the guy that goes out and makes all the money. And I did that train wrecking and my wife and I's marriage suffered terribly because of that, because we're best friends Mm. and I spent most of my time away from her. How does that work for my relationship? It doesn't. Some relationships can absolutely, but not mine. And I shouldn't, people would tell me, well, you got to make that money. You got them kids and you got to, but I can't because my wife is more important than money. My kids are more important than money and God's going to provide in the long run. Mm. I have to find who I am and what I can do to make both these things happen. Man, I, I want, for those of you who are listening to that, this is such a great point you're making. I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I want you to continue. But um, the Wayne Hines conversations um, that I did, uh, he and his wife are some of the most extraordinary people I've ever met in uh, the sacrifice they've made for ministry. Because mm-hmm. they both could be making crazy money, but they don't. For ministry, and I right. think that's that's so important because so many people are driven by, they think that that security even it's not even always money. They think the security is what's going right. to bring happiness. Yeah, absolutely. and so, it's not. Yeah. That's good. I, I mean, that's that's a good point. It's not no. security doesn't bring happiness. Well, money doesn't bring happiness. Well, you security yeah. is a fake thing. Yeah, it's yeah. There's the, like this Netflix thing that talks about the what is it faux security or whatever and talks about how the TSA doesn't actually you know protect <laughs> right. you from much of anything but um yeah if we're not following the path that we're supposed to be on mm-hmm. you know and not pursuing that fervently like just trying to figure out who we are what we're called to do man we're not going to be happy our marriage is going to suck our relationships are going to suck all together you know our friendships are going to fail we're going to be in bondage in those friendships uh, and that's just going to perpetuate through our lives. And we've been told for a long time, that's what you do. And, you know, even so in the Christianese of things, mm-hmm. you know, we have to fit the mold. You know, we have to fit the mold. Well, the mold that they're telling us usually isn't the mold that we're supposed to be fitting. Right. You know, and uh, I went to the same church for since I was eight years old. And and then their sister church I went to, that's where I got uh, baptized and all that stuff. You know, love them. They're my family. God, I love them. Hmm. They're family. I don't go to that church. Well, one, I live in Oklahoma, but I don't, <laughs> I don't go there anymore. And I'm down here and I love Grace and I've found family there. And I can't tell you that I'll be going there next week. Yeah. Because I can't focus on one thing to make my life what it needs to be. I have to focus on what makes my life what it needs to be. Yeah. I have to find that. I can't find it in a box. I have to find it outside the box. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, me and my buddy today was talking about is we get stuck in a holding pattern and we think we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And all we're doing is circling, you know, like an airplane on the, above the runway. Yeah. Uh, traffic control said, go ahead and land. And we're up there in a holding pattern. Like, well, I'll land when they tell us we can land. Mm. I'll land. And then eventually you start running out of fuel and you may not crash, 
but you're going to come down hard and have what you know crash landing or whatever and everybody might be safe and at the end of the day everything's okay but but you didn't need to do it that it way it was a lot rougher than it should have been all you had to do was put down the landing gear drop the flaps and come in right and you said well i gotta stay up here because i'm not quite sure he knows what he's talking about i'm not quite sure i want to do it that way mm-hmm. or you know you second guess yourself and um or my old youth pastor sean blatt which now we're we're good friends and he told me one time he goes you know i was listening to this podcast and uh he was talking about failure he goes you know one thing you're good at is failure <laughs> and i was like <laughs> Thanks. Oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> like, thanks, man. He's like, no, man. Like, really, like, you've been through some things. You've you've smacked the wall, mm-hmm. you know, and you just you just get up. And I'm like, uh, that's not, you know, in my mind, that's not a compliment because, you know, it's hurt. Yeah. You know, life hurts. And I think as a people, we say, well, if, if it's hurting, it's not right. No, if it's hurting, you're doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're moving, you're going to get hurt. If you're riding your bike, you're going to fall off. If you're driving a car, you might get in a wreck. But if you're not moving, you know, it may be comfortable. You may be safe, but you ain't going anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not called to sit. We're not called to stay. We're not called to just be stagnant, yeah. you know. Well, there's story after story of successful people and their failures. We hear about the successes because that's right. what people are interested right. in. Right, absolutely. But, you know, the uh, I used to say this, uh, I guess I probably would say it still if it came up, but, <clears throat> and I'm about to say it, Um <laughs> I used to say failure isn't an option. It's a necessity. Like there's no way you can fully grow and be a solid, forget leadership, just being a solid you without failure. You've got to know what that feels like, what it looks like. And, and, uh, we get afraid of it. If you're afraid of failing, you're never going to try anything that's of any kind of risk. Mm -hmm. In fact, I, I, when I was a kid and, um, I met my wife when I was 16, so I didn't do the kind of dating when I say dating, I don't mean it like that, but I had girlfriends, you know, and I would never ask a girl to be my girlfriend without already knowing if she was going to say yes. Cause I mean, it's like, I didn't want to be rejected. You know, I'm a words of affirmation guy. And so the last thing I want to hear or see in the checkbox on the note was no, (laughs) you know? Right. And so when I saw my wife for the first time, she wasn't my wife, of course, but when I saw her, I was like, I don't even care if she rejects me. Like, yeah. I had to take a risk, and that mm-hmm. paid off. We just celebrated twenty four years. Um, yeah. So it's like, okay, well, that's fantastic. Um, and I think from you know, I don't know if that's where I learned this pearl of wisdom. <laughs> sure. Maybe, but but ultimately, it really comes down to man, you gotta you gotta do something. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not talking about do something so that people are like, hey, you did something, but like for yourself, right? To to mm-hmm. really. To, to let God use you in a way that is unique and different, man, that's the most powerful thing in the world. And I would love to tell you or anybody even listening, like, here's what it looks like. Even if I knew you the way that God knows you, I still couldn't tell you the way, what it looks right. like because it's really your journey. And I, I think about this, you know, all the stories we hear of Jesus, and I've talked about this before. But all the stories we hear, uh, we read about in the Bible, almost 90% of them, I mean, you know, percentages are made up. Um, So, (laughs) but so many of them. 90% of all statistics are made up. That's exactly correct. Um, No, but so many of those stories are on the journey. It wasn't the destination we're hearing about. It was on his way somewhere that something happened. Right. And man, we've got to take that lesson and realize we've got to be on our way somewhere if we're going to really start doing things. I mean, if God says, hey, here, I want you, he says to Casey, I want you to go to Oklahoma City 
uh, well, that's not really a good example, but I'm going to give it anyway. It might be. Keep um, going with if, that. <laughs> if he says, I want you to, to move to Oklahoma City, he may do that by way of Anchorage, Alaska. Mm, now, yeah, Casey sure. would never choose that because that's not efficient. It's not logical. Right. It would cost a whole lot more money to go to Anchorage first and then come here. But that's why he doesn't give us the destination. He just says, go here. He wants us to truly live by faith. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that Mm. literally means in my, you know, my interpretation, as he speaks, I'm going to live by that moment. It's, it's daily. It's in the second. It absolutely is. And so it's like, Hey, Jeremy, I want you to do this. Okay, God. And I don't even, I've stopped asking what's next. Yeah. But what if you were wrong? Oh my gosh. (laughs) What am I going to do? Yeah. What if I'm wrong? I don't know. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. I'm not trying to be wrong. Right. I mean, my effort is to hear his voice. And and honestly, there's another great passage that he works all things for good to yeah. those who serve him. I'm trying to serve him. It'll right. be good. Right. I've, I, in fact, I have moments in my life that I absolutely know I miss God. I mean, I know I did. There, And when I say that, uh, I'll just tell the story real quick. I, uh, I had resigned my position at a church in Bethany and... Uh, it was a, it was a nothing bad or nothing. I just felt like I needed to go to Colorado Springs sure. actually, yeah. which was weird. Hmm. I had no connection in Colorado Springs. <laughs> right. In fact, I didn't even really know. I didn't fully feel Colorado Springs, but it just came when I was asked, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I kind of feel like Colorado Springs. I just kind of said it. And I'm like, you know how, you know, we use the term in Christendom bears witness. Like you say bears it and you're witness, like, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, that, that sounds right. <laughs> so that was all I did. And, and, um, I had this grace period, if you will, this space where I didn't really have any obligations. And I had about three months. Uh, the church was awesome. When I, when I resigned, he, uh, the pastor that gave me the piano that you saw in the front room and they said, Hey man, don't feel obligated to be here. Cause I had worship teams already going. So I didn't have to mm-hmm. be there. And he said, um, man, do what you need to do. And we'll just pay you through the end of the year and you can just do whatever. So I thought, wow. Oh yeah. Super awesome. Super awesome. Shout out to, to right, Believer's church yeah. and Jim McDowell. But what happened <clears throat> was I I started getting nervous. Like my money was going to run out in January. Sure. And it was December. And to that point in my life, man, I had never really looked for a job. Like every time uh, God was moving me, like mm-hmm. it, it just, I would, I would leave and then leave, like resign a position and I'd give him all this space. And when it was fine, like the day it was over within a couple days to a week at the longest, I had another opportunity and a lot of times these folks didn't even know I was available. It's just through conversation. It's pretty crazy. Right. So yeah. I fully expected that. And so this, you know, I kept thinking Colorado Springs again, we had zero connection with it. So it was just weird to think. And, uh, nothing happened, but I did have an opportunity to go to a church that I had cut my teeth at and, um, you know, had a, a long standing relationship there. And, and that pastor was reaching out to me, him, he and his wife and, I thought, man, this would be good. And I got into pride because my thinking was their worship department had kind of dwindled. And I thought, man, I'd love to be able to to bring that back to life. Well, first off right there, that sounds noble, but it's also incredibly right. prideful. Like right. I just assume that I can do something like that. Right. You this know? is what God's called me to do. Exactly. Like I'm amazing. Check this out. Now, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't, you know, anybody who knows me knows it's not my heart, but on right. the other side of that, I was, I still had that mindset. Right. right. So, um, Basically, the time for me to start kept getting moved up. It was going to be in January. And then it got moved up, moved up. So anyway, I started there the first week in December, I think. 
and uh, they introduced me on a Sunday morning and I, I did a set. And then um, that Monday I got a voicemail from a pastor in Colorado Springs that said, they just was interested in me coming. <laughs> and again, zero communication with anybody. I didn't right. even, I don't even think I put my resume out and I'm like, mm-hmm. how is this? And so I, I called the number back and I got a voicemail and I just left a message that said I'd already taken a position. And I, I say that to say, man, like in that moment, I knew, man, my heart right. sank that I had made a, just made the wrong move. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was committed and, and this is a great man. I don't even know what to tell any, if someone were to ask me now, I wouldn't know what I would say because like part of me is like, well, I could have just, I was getting ready to ask you and like, why didn't I just quit? Well, I think I probably shouldn't have taken the other church right. job or I should have said, no, I'll start in January because by that time something would, you know, I wouldn't have been started already. I don't know, but I do know that I had this on my heart to go to Colorado Springs. I had no connections in the, in the statistical odds of a random call from a sure. pastor so I say that to say, cause you know, we were talking about God doing things even when you miss him, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I met some of the greatest people in that process. People who've been my friends since then. Um, yeah. And my experience there had ups and downs, but the ministry experience I had at that church was fantastic. Now I still think I, I was out of his will, but he works things for good right. for those who serve him. And so, yeah. You know, I think that taught me personally that even in trying to pursue God's plan and his will for our lives, uh, we don't ever want to be careless or reckless. I think going into it, really seeking him, genuinely seeking him and asking for prayer from others too, saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'm praying about this, finding you know three or four people who will really fervently pray with you. Right. But I think for me, man, I just, I'm just asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? And uh, I said this about even what we're doing now, you know, I'm for the first time, I'm really not doing anything that every gift set and every skill set I've learned over my life is being used right now for right. the stream grace mm-hmm. network and podcasting and, and all these other peripheral things we're also doing. And, and it's an amazing reality, but I didn't a year ago, I wouldn't have said, yeah, this is totally what I'm going to be doing. But I'm right. literally waking up every day going, okay, here's what, <laughs> here's what we're going to do, you know? Right. Um, and there's something so freeing about that. Um, I'm trusting God for finances. I'm trusting mm-hmm. God for the activity, man, the finances, forget that for a second, just being fulfilled and doing stuff right. that you want to do that you're passionate about. I mean, I got to trust him with that too, you know? Right. Um, there's something huge to be said, like you said, to forget the finances because I think that that's so important because, you know, if you look at a lot of families that are just flat out broke, they could be so happy, right? They get along so well and they, Maybe they bring up the best kids. Like, well, they have to go through stuff and they have to, maybe they're just happy because they're focused on something that's important. Right. You know, and, and not to say that money's not important. Money doesn't have its purpose, but they're not solely focused on that. Yeah. They don't have it. Yeah. Why are they going to be paying attention to it? Now, on the other <laughs> right. side of it, you can have families that struggle with money. You know, my family struggled with money for a long time and I mean, they still do, you know, and their focus was, I need more finances because of this, 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 and this. So, you know, then the children get neglected on that side without speaking ill of my parents, you know, and I'm not, you know, yeah. I love my parents, but, uh, you can have the other side of that. But I think if we maintain focus on what is truly important 
And that change that's different for everybody. You right. can't just take a notepad and say, "Hey, what's Jeremy? What's important in life?" And you're going to tell me, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll do that." <laughs> right? Like, there's some people that approach it that way, though. Right? Exactly. And that's and problematic. That's exactly what we're talking about. Because if I said, "Jeremy, what's important in your life?" and you said, "Well, I like to get up every morning and I like to play the piano," well. I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> I mean, I can tinker and I do have a piano. Is, this is a terrible example because I do play a little bit. Right. But still, but if I don't play piano, guess what? I'm going to get up every day and have to learn piano. And right. then I learn piano for what? I'm not a musician. I'm and never going to be a musician. And you find, you know, I hate playing the piano. And I hate it. <laughs> like my fingers are sore right. and I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm an aircraft mechanic. Why am I playing <laughs> piano all day? Why am I practicing this? You know? Yeah. So it redirects our t- attention to things that aren't important, but may seem important. Mm-hmm. And and we do that as Christians and, and we do that as a people as a whole. Yeah. You know, looking at celebrities and what they're doing and they're acting. And so what they're acting, they, you know, what's, what's great about, uh, rich actors. They did something they loved and they're successful at it. Yeah. If there's one thing that we can take from famous people is they pursued something they loved, they were great at it, and people wanted to throw money at them for it. Yeah. So if you could take anything in your life and say, I love this, I'm good at it, I'm going to do it to my best ability, something's going to come of it. Yeah. You know, you may not be a millionaire, but you're going to be happy. Right. You're and that's gonna the be thing, happy. man. I, you know, Lori and I, our finances have fluctuated over our 24 mm-hmm. years radically. I mean, to mm-hmm. the tune of probably... Seventy, eighty thousand dollars swings, and I just get you look back, and it's like I don't really know when that was. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. because it's not it's not what makes memories. Right. You don't you don't make memories with oh look I got a thousand dollars in my hands. Right. I I mean that's not a memory. It's right. just a fact. Memories are made with people, and it's right. about relationship and being in those moments. Absolutely. And I will say this, you know being able to do what we're doing here, have these conversations. I mean, this, uh, if nobody ever listens, this is, this is the part of it. You and I talking, that means so much to me. This is my thing. And I I love it. You know what I mean? Like I love it. And so, um, to your point, I don't know if this is good or bad. You know, Mm -hmm. I hope people get something out of it. I don't care if they think I'm good at what I do. I, I care and hope that they hear something that resonates with them. Exactly. That makes them go, oh, man, that helps me. That gives me some right. freedom in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the only way that comes is the simple fact that you and I can have a conversation and be honest and real with each other. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that authenticity. When we're authentic, people feel safe and they can hear that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that I was talking to uh, my buddy Jonathan today about is, you know, I don't know what's going to come of this podcast. I don't even know why Jeremy invited me on this thing. Like, I don't feel equipped to do it. But, you know, if somebody finds something encouraged about what our conversation is about, man, that's worth all of it. Yeah. You know, you know, we're not looking for huge sponsorships and making all these money, you know, and you know, I mean, make you're it not. rain. Well, maybe you, <laughs> I'm definitely not because I'm on the wrong side of the mic. For that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's about the conversation. It's about the, the real relationship happening and it's happening with a microphone right and that's great and and i think that uh you know enjoying listening to it is one thing but then there's going to be a piece of that conversation you say you know what that's a really good point and i I haven't had that there it is perspective again you know and and that is what life is about if you can cue in on relationships 
and you can get a piece of that relationship and you can get something out of it and move forward. And I think one of your podcasts you were talking about, it might've been the last one or something, but well, that wouldn't, that would be relative to when we, this airs, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was talking, you guys were talking about you know, relationships don't have to last a lifetime. Oh yeah. You know, they, they move in, you know, there's an ebb, ebb and, and flow. flow. Whoa. That's like, it. You know, so, uh, we can't rely too much on one thing to think that our life is going to perpetuate with that one thing. Right. You know, like I said, my ECC family in Kansas City has been my family since I was eight years old. And if I thought, if I'm going to do ministry, I have to do it here and with these people, I wouldn't be in Oklahoma. Right. And I wouldn't be doing a podcast with Jeremy Griffin. Well, you might. I can, I can remote but, you. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but... It just you just don't know if yeah. you're not pursuing what you feel like the Lord's telling you, and like like you were alluding to uh, earlier, is I really felt like the Lord told us to come back to Oklahoma because yeah. me and my wife decided we wanted to retire in Oklahoma, and then we we're like, well, then why don't we just go back? Yeah, why and that wait? was it. <laughs> you know, I pursued what we pursued what our heart was, and then we prayed about the steps. Okay, what do we need to do to do it? Mm-hmm. We didn't, you know, second guess our decisions and, you know, go round and around the tree and said, you know what, we can be happy in Oklahoma. We yeah. wouldn't be happy in Oklahoma. We've been happy in Oklahoma before. Yeah. Let's go for it. You know, I like you said that you prayed about the steps. It reminds me, and I've talked about this before on the podcast. So mm-hmm. everyone who's listened to every episode will remember this, but, uh, my friend Gavin Lacefield, you know, mm-hmm. um, I used to work with him in the shop and I loved working with him because he taught me this idea of not being wrapped up in all of the steps. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, we were working on a project and I was like, all right, what are we going to do next? Well, we're going to do this. And then I said, okay, what, what after that? Uh, I think we'll probably do this. And I said, okay, what about after that? I don't know. That was his response. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Right. I'm like, what? Now he on his whiteboard, he had the finished product. Right. Something that we call vision. Right. Here's what it is. And he had the step he was on pretty much the next step. And then after that, uh, you know. And, and I, I thought, well, that's crazy. And then I worked with these projects on it and, and, or with him on these projects and they turned out great. They were beautiful and they right. had lots of mistakes. Mistakes right. because, oh, we didn't mean to do that or we did that. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, we just worked through that. And there was that that taught me so much right. about how to approach what I'm doing. Yeah, I have this end result, but I'm not going to wait until I have every one of those steps written down yeah, on paper absolutely. before I take the first one. Right. You know, you know, that's one of the, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite Bible stories. Um, and I couldn't tell you a verse chapter, whatever, you know, but, uh, you know, Jesus said, go to the other side, yeah. you know, go to the other side of the, uh, the sea of Galilee and, you know, I'll meet you there. And he could have went with him. Right. You know, who knows? It doesn't really talk about what he was really doing. I mean, well, actually it does. It says yeah, he was on the mountain, yeah. you know, and he could see them and then they go in the storm. He didn't say anything about the storm. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, Steve Furtick preaches on this several times, but I really come across this all the time when talking about people like talking about their purpose and talking about vision and talking about their value and their identity. It just comes back to, he said, go to the other side. He didn't tell you anything about the storm because you know what? The storm doesn't really matter. Yeah. You're getting through it. There's going to be a lot of things you learn on the process, like to walk on water, you right. know, but when you get to the other side, there's going to be something also, that's miraculous that happens. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell you why you're going to the other side. He didn't tell you how to get to the other side. Specific, you know, he didn't tell you the storm was coming. He didn't tell you the boat was going to rock. He didn't tell you you're almost going to die. Right. 
And he you didn't know what, tell you you're going to walk on water. You know what almost dying is? Living. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. <laughs> That's exactly what it's it weird is. That the almost dying is living. Right. And, you know, and because if someone that, almost lived, what what happened to them? They, <laughs> They're dead. They did. They, <laughs> they, almost, they lived. almost lived. They have died. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that speaks to it. You got, you have to almost die. Yeah. Always. Yeah. You have to be on the edge of it because, you know, think about the, the extreme sports people. They're always on the edge, yeah. you know, and in our life, we have to be on the edge of failure and yes, we're going to fail. We have to ride that line. We have to live in the tension. If you're not in the tension, you're too comfortable mm. or you're in misery. Mm-hmm. So pick got to ride the tension, got to <laughs> ride the line. Yeah. That's good, man. Um, this is awesome. Yeah, Thanks. I'm like, I'm like, man. You know, we could do more. <laughs> we definitely could, <laughs> and uh, and we can. We can do more. But uh, we're going to end this episode anyway. Sure. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming, man, and being a part of this. Yeah, absolutely. I loved it. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for joining us on another conversations. I hope it was uplifting for you, or at least somewhat entertaining, maybe a little bit of both. Um, if you would like to uh, find more of these podcasts, you can go to stringgrace.com and click on it. We got uh, several channels that you can check out and people besides just me. Anyway, God bless you guys. Thanks for stopping by, and we will see you next time.